What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host, Peter Tran, and on the line, the Iceman himself, back in the dog pound, Josh Cohen. How you doing? Feeling great. Sun's out. Guns out. Are the guns out? Those got full sleeve to me, man. <laughs> you liar. Gotta, I gotta work on that a little bit, but at least the sun's <laughs> out. Uh, the banger in the paint, a residential medical expert. You got lots of sun. Rajan Valle, how you feeling? Uh, I'm I'm doing good, man. I'm uh, peeling all over. It's like a new experience for me. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the episode of Entourage where Drama purposely burnt himself so he could peel into like the perfect skin tone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's why he's Drama. If I can only live up to that uh, glorious standard. Oh man, that'd be great. If you were glory. <laughs> <laughs> Victory. Victory. <laughs> yeah, do you guys ever still watch Entourage? Like, like ever watch clips or like random episodes here and there? Man, I used to a few years ago, but I, I watched the entire show like I don't know seven years ago. It was good stuff back when you were younger. But now, if you look at it, it's probably stupid as hell. Nah, yeah, it holds it's up. It's still great. Yeah, it's still it holds good. Up. I... Okay. Yeah, I was uh, Raj. I was scanning through IPTV yesterday and just happened upon the Entourage channel. <laughs> And it was the episode where uh, they had a bet and Drama ended up banging out this chick in like a furry costume. <laughs> yes, yes. So you just saw like two bunnies going at it. Like season four? Did you say they have an Entourage channel? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Josh, man, you gotta get on this IPTV tip. It's wow. good stuff. Okay. I'll hook you up. What other channels do they have? They have like a Family Guy channel and a yeah, Simpsons channel all of too? It. Oh my god. Josh is... Uh, cool. That's like a what? A pot of gold for josh yeah you're like you're like charlie at willy wonka's factory man mm-hmm. i got some time All to the <laughs> Do you? not like you have a baby or anything right well you know outside of that i guess let's get back to it to the real baby of the nba guy joel Embiid, not playing <laughs> in the first two games of the Ouch. semi-finals of the eastern conference due to a broken face via the elbow of pascal siakam and a slight concussion, I believe. Anyways, so uh, obviously, as you're listening to this, we're recording on Tuesday afternoon. The 76ers were surprisingly in it for the first half against the Miami Heat. They actually had the lead going into halftime. And then Miami just turned it on. They reminded them that they don't have Joel Embiid. They reminded them that James Harden scored less than 20 points again. I mean, like, is there anything to this, Josh? Are the Heat just going to sweep this maybe in five games? Because... How the hell are the 76ers supposed to do anything against this team who I think we've not overlooked, but we didn't really talk about them much throughout the year, right? Mainly because of their rotating cast, but this Miami team is just plug and play constantly throughout the roster. Yeah, and as you mentioned, uh, you know Kyle Lowry hasn't even played yet. He's not going to play in Game 2 either, which I guess is sort of smart on, you know, on Miami's uh, behalf, but... Um, In terms of the play yesterday, uh, James Harden has been held under 25 points in 11 straight playoff games, his longest streak since he came off the bench in OKC. Wow. He's averaging fewer points per game, rebounds per game, steals per game, blocks per game, field goal attempts, field goal percentage on more minutes per game than with the Nets. So that is a definite problem. And uh, Miami (laughs) didn't even play the well last night. They hit, I think, nine threes in total. They shot yeah. like 9 for a 36 or something along those lines. And their offense struggled. Like, Philadelphia actually did some stuff yesterday. If you notice, especially in the dribble handoffs, they were, like, bumping up against the guy who was supposed to actually receive the ball. 
and that disrupted Miami's um, offense, especially in the first half. And then the second half, Hero um, just went off. So that sort of, you know, allowed Miami to build a bit of a lead. Yeah, th- this series, to answer your question, Peter, I, I think this series um, isn't really going to be much of a series unless Embiid somehow magically comes back and is able to actually play the 30-some minutes he needs. Um, the six- 76ers had a great first half. Um, but ultimately, the the Heat just have a better team, especially if Embiid's not playing. Uh, Lowry's not there. I do expect him to eventually play later in this series. Um, and, like, Miami didn't play that well yesterday, and they were still able to kind of make a, a pretty big lead in the third quarter and carried over to the fourth. So uh, I, I, I really do think this series probably will be in four games. And I know there's a clip circulating around where Maxi wasn't even sitting or didn't want to be anywhere close to Harden. And that could be a storyline that could lead into more drama for the 76ers and um, something else that they have to deal with. So we'll see how that goes. So I did some digging on that because I was very curious about that clip. And apparently Sam Cassell in that moment asked for Tyrese Maxey to come sit next to him. So it's just coincidental, allegedly. I don't know, man. That might be Sam Cassell taking on his young buck protecting him from the press you know like if you were someone of sam cassell's caliber and you see this kid who's about to get a lot of flack for leaving james harden or vice versa wouldn't you just want to get ahead of the the potential drama of it all and just be like oh yeah like i called him over even though he may not have even though he may have just been like oh yeah good play out there but like you know not actually telling him anything important sort of sort of just get ahead of all like the the pressers right maybe it's a seven savvy veteran play by sam cassell yeah, I mean, he is known for being clutch in the moment, so maybe he was being clutch in that moment. Who knows? <laughs> but, you know, there is some things Philadelphia can do to stay in this series, assuming that Embiid actually comes back in games three and four, or one of those two, hopefully. Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure if he's going to come back at this point, because can you blame the guy? I mean, he broke his face, and he's got a broken finger or whatever, too. Like, who knows what else is broken in his body? <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> You know, but the biggest thing, obviously, which is something that anybody watching the game yesterday just didn't understand is DeAndre Jordan playing 17 (laughs) to 19 minutes, whatever it was, and he was minus 17 to 19 in those minutes. And then the lineup that, you know, I predicted before the game, if Doc Rivers was a smarter coach, went plus 10 with George Niang playing center, even though he was 0 for 7 from the field, even though he shot like 90% against the Raptors which I'm still very salty about. Um, So there's some things that Philadelphia can do to muck up the game, whether on defense or offense, to try to make it a more like variance type of game, just shooting a ton of threes like, you know, Dallas has been doing the entire playoffs. So there is some things they can do to potentially win game two, because as you mentioned, like Miami didn't look like world beaters out there. They can be beat. Nope. uh, uh, I don't know, man. You're you're talking about a team that where Jimmy Butler, who's arguably the best player on the team, shot five of sixteen. Gabe Vincent was four of twelve. Obviously, we already talked about Kyle Lowry not playing. Max Struess, who apparently is a new Duncan Robinson, was two for eight. I mean, you're looking at guys who hit more shots than what they did in Game One, right? Mm-hmm. I understand that you know Philly can muck it up, can sort of just play like the the chaos game that you so love, Josh, and just chuck up a bunch of threes, but. Do we really think that Philly can shoot or shoot better threes than than Miami? 
I mean, you're going to rely on Tobias Harris to have 20-something a game again all the time? You're going to rely on Danny Green? (laughs) James Harden? It's a one-game sample, right? Like, you just have to win the one game, then you're going back to Philadelphia, and then all the pressure is on Miami at that point, right? So you got to do something to change the course of game Mm. two. You can't go with the same game plan, which Doc Rivers has already said he's going to do. Hey, hey, you're talking about a coach who continually brings back players that he's either played against or coached six, like six to ten years ago. Okay? Do not talk about Doc Rivers about progression. Yeah. That doesn't work. Doc's an old school Doc. Um, in terms of Miami, <laughs> they've kind of had the same type of obstacle in terms of how they had to, how they're going to play Philly and how they're going to play Atlanta. Because with Atlanta, you really just had to get in front of Trey Young and not make him hurt you. And they've kind of had to take away that star. And doing so, you make all the other players around Atlanta ineffective. And that's what we saw in the first round. Especially without Embiid, it's the same kind of assignment with Philadelphia. Like, you remove Harden and out of the game or make it very difficult for him. And the other players can't beat you. Like, they just don't have enough firepower, enough, uh, like, I would say balanced scoring or consistent scoring. And I I think Miami's done that with Atlanta. They just kind of have to repeat what they did against Atlanta to Philadelphia. And I would argue that Philadelphia without Embiid isn't even as good. So um, I I really think that this Miami series, yes, they may give up one game, uh, like a game three or four, but I really doubt the series is going more than five games. I could see this maybe going in four, especially if Philly starts imploding. You know, if Embiid comes back in Game 3 and Lowry's still not back, I could see this being a 6-7 or seven game series. Um, but, again, it all hinges on Embiid, and no one really knows if he's going to play or not. And even if he does play, is he going to be that effective with all the ailments that he has, having to worry about getting hit in so many different body parts? I don't know. That's tough. Embiid's going to play, man. Yeah, but if he plays, is he going to play the same type of way where he's just trying to bruise guys inside? being afraid that he's going to get hit in the face or he get hit in the hand, right? It's going to be tough. You think he's really going to complain about his hand being hit? Like, it's oh, a has... finger, not even his hand. It's it's on his left hand, isn't it? That part I, think I don't it's know. A sh- I, I, think, I think it's the shooting hand. Is it the shooting hand? Okay, fine. Fine. Even if it is the shooting hand, there's... I think it's a minor enough injury where he's just going to power through, right? Like, he... I, I could see him not playing outside as much. He probably won't be as a, much of a threat along the elbow where he usually likes to catch it. But if Embiid is going to go inside all day, he can easily get, take Bam out of the equation pretty quickly. Draw a couple of quick fouls on him. Dwayne Deadman apparently fouls more than he shoots. So I wouldn't be concerned about that part. And then what? He's got to truck over P.J. Tucker? I don't mind it. Mm-hmm. If, if he's able to come back. But I think he will come back for Game 3. It. I find it highly unlikely that he would sit out three games in the semis. Yeah, I, I think the funny thing about this is if Embiid says he may come back for game three and then for whatever reason doesn't and then they get blown out in game three and then game four is like, is it even worth risking him getting a further injury? And then he kind of has the whole path that Ben Simmons had with the, <laughs> the Nets I was about and it to comes say that. full circle. Imagine that happens. That would be some great karma for the 76ers. Oh, man. That would be wonderful. I mean, that's sort of the dream, right? (laughs) As much drama as we can get. 
the best part about all this, as somebody um, that is a fan of a different Eastern Conference team, is this is the absolute perfect scenario to happen to Philadelphia, and maybe even Brooklyn too, right? Because now Philadelphia is stuck with James Harden, and they can basically tell themselves, oh, you know, if Joel Embiid was healthy, and maybe James Harden's hamstring felt better, even though we don't even know if that's a thing anymore. He just looks washed. Let's just be honest. And, you know, they lose in round two against Miami, and they made the trade with the expectation that they're going to extend Harden. So they extend Harden for four more years, and he looks like this already. This team is going nowhere the next few years, no matter how good Tyrese Maxey is going to be. Oh, man. It's actually really yeah. sad how bad James Harden looks out there, right, Raj? Like, it's not even that he's just slow because of his hamstring, but he he actually just looks washed up. Yeah, like, like I don't want to say he's disinterested. It just doesn't look like he has that ability to, like, to, to play his game and or to play in the NBA, you, like, obviously have to have a certain level of, of athleticism. But to be a superstar, you really need to be on your game. And he looks like a step slow. Like, he just looks like a... A, a star in the NBA or even like a good starter in the NBA. He doesn't have that superstar game to him anymore. Yeah, he doesn't have that explosion to beat guys off the dribble anymore. That was his biggest, um, that was the biggest part of his game, right? Like being able to have a great first step and being able to go from dribble, dribble, dribble to explosion right away, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're not really sure which dribble is going to be, but you knew he was going to either step back on you and it's going to be a hard step back where you can't contest it, or he's just going to go by you, and then he can either put it up, you know, the floater, layup, or pass it out the perimeter, and he doesn't have that component anymore. Like, he couldn't even beat Max Struess a lot of times yesterday. And Struess <laughs> is a decent defensive player now. Like, he's actually improved a lot this year, hey. but it's still Max Struess. And even Tyler Hero, like, it just seemed like Philadelphia, I mean, again, going back to their game plan, you would think when those guys are on the court, you just subject them to just guard the ball every single possession to give yourself a chance, and they just weren't doing that. On the other hand, one Philadelphia player who actually had a good game and seems to be having a pretty decent playoff run is Tobias Harris. Is Tobias Harris better as like a, I guess like a number two, right? Number three, maybe? I mean, he's been number one for a lot of the games. Yeah, even better. He's definitely number one over James Harden. So I meant number two to Tyrese Maxey, not to James Harden, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean, though, right? Like, he's sort of stepped up right when they needed him to. And it's something that we didn't see much of during the season since he sort of didn't know where to stand once James Harden got on the team. Yeah, he's uh, he's changed a lot about his game. Um He's become the secondary guy that they've always wanted him to become. And he wasn't really that when they traded for James Harden um, until, like, the later part of the regular season. But in the playoffs, like, he just... He killed the Raptors, obviously, on secondary breaks. You know, getting the ball off a... Doing what Maxi sort of does, right? Like, he gets the ball off a swing pass, and then he either has a choice of taking a wide-open or semi-contested three or wide-open three, or taking off the dribble, and you'd have space in that scenario because he's a triple-threat player, right? And uh, he's he hasn't played to, you know, max level of what his contract is, but he's been very good, obviously. I don't think he's going to be, you know, a guy that you look at in the offseason where a team is going to give up something for him. But I don't, also don't think that he's like the poison pill type of contract either now. Quick decision making. Yo, um, 
Have we seen anything from Duncan Robinson in the past like year? Ever since he signed his big ass contract? <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, he had, he had one good game. Very few flashes. Sorry? Very few yeah. flashes. They're, they've essentially just paid him like twenty something million to chill on the bench while Max Drews takes all his shine. Yeah, like I, yeah. I, I like to call it the uh, Davis Bertans effect. <laughs> Hey, I mean, at least Davos Bertans is kind of contributing in Dallas. Marginally contributing. Uh, yeah. Sure. Sure. I, I mean, mean, he gets in the games, at least. Robinson Duncan was Robinson a DMP had, like, a really good uh, game one in the first round series. He had 27 points. And after that, he barely even played. And now Oladipo is playing. And Oladipo actually played some pretty good defense yesterday against Harden. I was sort of surprised. So maybe this is his re-coming out party? I don't know. <laughs> Were they... They weren't teammates, were they? Oladipo? He got to Houston after Harden left, right? Like, he was part of the I think he's part of the trade. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, well. Yeah, good for Oladipo, man. It's nice seeing him back in the league and semi-healthy, moderately healthy. Kings look good so far. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, let's let's put a bow on this one. Uh, Miami in five, six, seven? Five. Five. Yeah, the safe bet is five. But, uh, yeah, I'll go with five. I'm going to go six. And in game six, when Miami beats them in Philadelphia, the fans are going to boo James Harden off the floor. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's, How magical that's only would second... that be? That's only secondary to what it could have been. Imagine the Raptors winning game seven in Philadelphia. How sweet that would have been. Oh, my God. <laughs> would have been the greatest moment of a Raptors fan's life, you know? The greatest, better than the actual championship. Oh man! It, honestly, it might have been because we were the first team in history to come back from three zero, and it being in Philadelphia and like the vitriol and the hatred that would have come at okay. the end of that game would have been so sweet. This is the biggest recency bias. You rather win a game seven in the first round than win an NBA championship against come back one from three of- zero against James Harden, Doc Rivers, and Philadelphia. It's it's close. I mean, the championship was no. great and everything, you know, keep in mind. Oh my that feeling God. of coming back from 3-0 in that scenario, that would have been fucking Get sweet. Get the fuck out of here. Like, honestly, <laughs> fucking mute your mic. Throw your laptop in the fucking toilet. Yeah, I'm not and, saying uh, it would have been better, but it would have been damn close. Oh Thank my you, God. Get the fuck out of here. Hey, a lot of teams have won a championship, but nobody's come back from 3-0. Oh my God. <laughs> Man, just you are, us. You're awful. <laughs> God, Raptors fans are a wild breed, man. Jesus Christ. Let's move on. Um, let's talk about this Phoenix and Dallas series. Dallas is down 0-1. to one. Phoenix is apparently the well-oiled machine that we all thought they were. And Raj, our favorite player, Jay Crowder, is still kicking people in the nads. Yeah, he's, was it a flagrant uh, he's a one man. or flagrant two? Hey, <laughs> let's bring up the flagrant conversation. Please, please. This is the this is probably the one of the biggest talking points, I guess, about this series after game one. Oh. Um, there's obviously real basketball talking points, so we'll we'll get to that. I'll let Josh touch upon that, but that is okay. Let's go back to Draymond. All of Draymond's <laughs> flagrant twos were flagrant twos. I don't know why this guy needs to go on this whole like like a whole spiel about why he thinks it's not fair. Like every, every single one that he got a flagrant to was a flagrant to, especially the one in the finals where he stuck his hand out after 
LeBron had passed him and went around and ding, like hit him in the balls. Like, <laughs> and then and then ding. and then you have yeah, exactly. And then you have uh, Drake Crowder who who jumped into Ste- uh, not Steph Curry who jumped into Maxi Kleba. No, Luka. no, sorry, Luca, Luca, Luca Doncic. Can't hurt Doncic, man. Can't yeah. Doncic is ding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he he jumped into him. He brought his knee up. There was no like kicking motion. Like yes, there it may have been intentional, but it wasn't like very clearly intentional. So that's a flagrant one. You move on from it. Uh, you think it's a flag? Oh, get the hell out of here, you, you too. No, man. man. I have a hard rule, okay? Whenever you make purposeful contact with someone's junk in the NBA, you should be out of the game. But how do you know that was purposeful? Like, maybe he was just trying Watch, to get a that bit was not a kicking. That was not a shooting motion. It was very obvious there was intent behind that kick. He was, pro- he was probably trying to draw an offensive foul, which is stupid, yeah. or a defensive foul, which is stupid. But, dude, you can't go kicking people in the nuts. That's why I think every time that Draymond kicks Steven Adams in the nuts, he should have been tossed out, too. Can't be doing that. Okay, I, I agree that, with that part. But hard lines, Josh. Hard, hard lines. You know, not to be that guy, but the Draymond play versus this play is a little bit different. As a, as a Sun supporter, as much as I want Jay Crowder to be out of the game, I, I don't think that was a flagrant two because when he actually started his motion, Luka wasn't in front of him. It was a stupid play and it was a very unnatural motion, but Luka came into the frame after... Jay Crowder actually started his motion. So was it intentional? I don't think it was intentional. It was just stupid. And I don't uh, think it was a flagrant too. I think he was trying to do Thank that you. thing where you like kick your leg out so that you hope that the defender like hits your leg as he runs by. Except Luca's motion, like he got him like mid-stride, so it ended up being in the crotch rather than on the side. But nonetheless, I don't care. You make contact and it's in a regular shooting motion, man. Get out of here. I have no st- I have no time for this bullshit, uh, you know, attempt at drawing fouls. I don't like it. Peter, I think we should just keep you away from the whistle. No, man, just keep your keep your feet away from people's nads. It's kind of easy. <laughs> <laughs> like, what kind of shooting motion is that, Raj, where your leg goes that far up? Keep in mind, Luca's like six eight. He's not short. Hey. That's even more distance to kick your feet up. Reggie Miller made a career out of that. Yeah, and Reggie Miller's dirty. <laughs> self-admitted Reggie Miller is dirty what do you mean god he's annoying well annoying <sighs> and dirty are you happy he's the worst every time DeAndre Aiden makes a shot that guy's gonna get the bag this offseason shut the fuck up <laughs> how many times do you have to say a game after game man Jesus Christ just uh, stop but for the record Josh DeAndre Aiden 25 and 8 on 12 of 20 shooting 1 for 1 free throw 1 block DeAndre Aiden should be getting the bag this summer <laughs> He should, but you don't have to bring it up every single time he makes a shot. It's okay. We understand. He's a really good player. Dude. He's improved a lot this season. He's going to get the bag. We get it. It's, it's not just bag. that, but if DeAndre Ayton keeps killing Maxi Kleba and uh, Dwight Powell, he's going to get a real bag this summer, Josh. That's not just Thank like a bag thanks, bag. Reggie. He's going to get the bag this summer. Like he wasn't going to anyway. Thanks, Reggie. Appreciate that. Yeah, well, you don't know who it's going to come from, you know? <laughs> he's restricted this year, right? Yeah, yeah but like every player in his situation always gets the max contract, especially the way he's playing. He's going to get the max contract. Let's be honest. He's already, but anyways, he's already, he's already been in an NBA Finals. Like that in itself is a, it's a big win. And he's improved a lot this season. Like he's not missing shots from anywhere. 
Like, he's been incredible the first, you know, series plus one game, right? <laughs> and who knows if that continues against, like, a team like the Warriors if they end up playing them, obviously. But, you know, for now, he's been incredible. But there is one thing I do want to bring up in this. In terms of, like, the X's and O's in this series, <laughs> yes, the Suns were not playing that hard in the last seven minutes of the game. Correct. But I think the Mavericks might have found something here. No. I think the small no. lineup... It was plus 10 in, I think, seven or six or seven minutes. They were playing their best players, besides Kleba, who, you know, had a very unfortunate fall, how he, how he somehow came back from that and played a bunch of possessions in a row. I don't know. That was crazy, man. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was hard to watch. Fall. I don't think JaVale even hit him either. I think he just was off balance. No, he but... undercut him. Uh, Not I purposefully. Think... I think he, like, lost uh, lost balance and like felt, was, like, falling over, right? Yeah. No, I think JaVale put his hand on his back. It wasn't, like, a push. But he, he may have touched him a little while he was trying to get, like, finishing at the rim. Right, right, right. Yeah, that was it's hard to tell man. with the replays. Replays yeah, but, didn't really get a good angle. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I definitely saw a hand on the back, though. Yeah. But going back to the lineup, you know, having Finney Smith at center, they basically took DeAndre Aiden out of the game. He didn't even take a shot, I don't think. They did a lot of switching, which is what you have to do against the Suns in order to beat them. And... Again, the Suns were not really trying that hard in that scenario because they knew the game was over. And they were running on the clock a lot of the time instead of playing their flow offense. But, you know, if they're going to be switching every single screen and making them play one-on-one, I think that's a much better strategy than what they were doing in the first three quarters where they were just getting torched. So this small lineup was uh, Brunson, Doncic, Dinwiddie, Bullock and Finney Smith, right? Yeah. And same logic as always with you, Josh. Just pile on the threes until the math game works in your favor. If you're playing a much better opponent, (laughs) yes. I mean, Dallas plays like that anyway, right? Yeah. Like, they're just playing whatever you do is what they're going to react to, right? So when Doncic gets Chris Paul on a switch and he backs him down into the paint, He's just waiting for a guy to come over, and then whoever gets the ball knows what their role is. They just have to shoot the ball. Whereas a lot of these teams, they get the ball on the perimeter, and they're like trying to take guys off the dribble, make the next pass, and they just get deep in the clock, and they screw themselves, right? Dallas knows who they are, at least. They're a well-coached team. And they're only going to win if they make a ton of threes, and you know they're actually able to switch on to Phoenix and make them play deep in the clock. So I think that's that's the adjustment going into game two. Hmm. I think another thing to note is obviously Booker's health. Like, I think if Booker even played at, like, 70% of his game, then Dallas has a very good shot in this series. Just because, again, Phoenix didn't play great, I thought, overall. But, like, they they played efficient, and they were able to really close out the game. But I think Dallas does have enough defenders to get in Phoenix's way in terms of depth. Like, they have two players that are amazing 3 and D players in, in Dory Finney-Smith and Bullock. Um, and yeah, they ha- I don't know they if have- I agree with that. No, they definitely have two really good 3 and D players. No, no. Finney-Smith is a really good 3 and D player. Bullock is a good 3 player. Defensive-wise, <laughs> he's it's okay. He's good-ish. Uh, yeah. But, but I, sure. I still think they have enough wing depth to bother Phoenix. It obviously comes down to how much Phoenix can really exploit that pick and roll 
Um, because if Dallas does end up going small, then that's where Phoenix is going to have the advantage. And obviously Utah can't do anything with their bigs uh, offensively. And I, I think Phoenix, if if Chris Paul and Aiden are able to have pick and rolls, especially late in, like, late in the clock, or if really Dallas is taking out Booker and getting in the way of Cam Johnson, if they're able to exploit that pick and roll, I think Phoenix should be able to win the series pretty handedly. And again... It's not like Dwight Powell or uh, Dwight Powell or Jalen Green are going to play many minutes, um, so it's really going to be kind of Mavs small ball versus um, the Phoenix's pick and roll and seeing which comes out ahead. I mean, so far we know that Phoenix is going to come out ahead. Um, <laughs> okay, one guy that I really want to like look at is Jalen Brunson because every time that. Uh, Luka comes back from an injury, even throughout the season it was like this, um, obviously during the playoffs it was like this as well. Whenever Luka was out, Jalen Brunson, we saw it in the first round also, just goes off, right? Average 30-something in the first like couple of games of the playoffs. And then as soon as Luka's back, the ball goes back to Luka's hands and Brunson is sort of just like, you know, standing in the corner waiting. Pretty much what Josh, your offense is like, or what you said their offense relies on, right? It's just Luka handling the ball penetrates, and then dishes out. But Brunson's one of those guys who needs the rock equally as much as Luka does. I'm not saying he's as good of a facilitator or anything, but uh, he's the kind of guy who needs the ball to score. He gets deep inside the paint, and he either sets up a shot for guys like like you guys said, Reggie Bullock or Dorian Finney-Smith. But a lot of the times, he's finishing over bigs because Jalen Brunson has you know, some of the best footwork in the league. So is there a way to sort of get these two between Brunson and Doncic to actually work well off of each other? Because whenever Luka has the ball in his hands, which is, you know, pretty frequently, Brunson sort of just like takes a step back and doesn't really get, doesn't get to really unleash his powers, so to speak. You know what I mean, Josh? Like he sort of just chills. You do bring up a good point because, you know, one thing that a lot of people have brought up in this series, they're playing every second day, Right. Whereas mm-hmm. the Memphis Golden State series, they have a three-day um, rest period, which is odd. Um, but in this series, you know, if you look back to yesterday, Doncic played 44 minutes. And the one thing that I was curious about was Phoenix played a couple different lineups in the second and fourth quarter where they didn't have Booker or CP3 playing on the court at all, right? They're playing their bench lineup. And they weren't really bleeding points, which allowed Chris Paul to only play 29 minutes in yesterday's game. So I think that's something to look at. And then, you know, going back to the Doncic's minutes, which has to do with Brunson, if he's playing that many minutes and having to take that, you know, take on that kind of load um, going forward, it's going to be really hard for, especially with him in the injury too. Like he looked amazing yesterday, obviously, but as time passes and he's having to do that much, like he's going to have to eventually like play off the ball a little bit and let Dinwiddie too um, handle the rock more and run more of the offense. So he can just get a rest. So in the fourth quarter, if they're close, which you would think they're going to be into game two, he's able to take over. Yeah. It seems like as soon as Doncic is back in the lineup, they sort of just forget that they have two other ball handlers. Right. And I get it. Some, some offenses work really well around that kind of thing. Like if you can, not obvi- obviously they weren't as successful as we wanted them to be, but the James Harden Houston Rockets were sort of the same, right? Where it's one guy who handles the rock constantly, gets penetration, either goes up and finishes or draws a foul, 
or dishes to the corner or for to the wing for a quick three. And Doncic is like one of the best to, that we've seen do it. Obviously, LeBron, Harden, blah blah blah. But like, I don't know if that kind of basketball wins anymore. You know what I mean? Just in general, not not knocking Luca, but just that type of system where you have one guy who just pounds the rock and then finds an open three. Like it's great during the regular season, but I don't I don't know if it translates to like pure winning basketball, a like championship caliber basketball. It's kind of like what Kobe Bryant said about James Harden's game. Um, it's like it's good basketball, but it's not championship winning basketball. Um, like I'm not comparing Luca to Harden entirely, but I think just their role on their team. Uh, I, I definitely do think the the Mavs need to get Brunson, like especially when Luca's not on the court, Brunson to be in that role. And again, Brunson's the leading playoff scorer which is uh, something that I think none of us would have predicted going into this playoffs. Um, and he's very capable as a player. I just think ultimately it's, it's really going to come down to Dallas's defense being able to stop DeAndre Aiden because I think they can stop everyone else. And uh, like, especially if Booker's not 100%, like they have the right matchups. They have mobile players. They have players that can... Uh, defend the three well, stay in front of their man. Um, it's just Aiden's the real tough matchup problem. They don't really have a clear-cut answer for him. I think the adjustment they're eventually just going to have to realize is that Dwight Powell played zero minutes. You start Kleba, and then you only play Kleba and Finney Smith at center. I think that's ultimately what they're going to have to do. And, you know, Brunson was in foul trouble yesterday too, right? Like, he had three fouls in the first half. He barely even played. And the second half... He didn't do much because, again, Luca was on the ball a lot. Um, but when he is in those specific lineups, like especially the small lineup, and they're having to play a lot of one-on-one, as you mentioned with the Utah series, he's not going against the same type of defender anymore. Like even yesterday, going against a guy like Cam Johnson, he had a hard time scoring against him in the paint because those little herky-jerky moves, Cam Johnson could just put his arms up, make him take a contested shot, and that's a win for Phoenix. So Phoenix has so many guys that you know, that can defend both Brunson, you know, Dinwiddie, Luka, um, that Dallas might be drawing dead here. Um, but there are some things they can do to try to sway the, the math in their favor. And sway it? They probably will not, Josh. Uh, what do you guys think for this series? Phoenix in five, six, seven, four? You're muted. I'm going to say Phoenix in five. Yeah, I'm sort of leaning that way too. I mean, it might go four potentially, but I'll give Dallas a game because, you know, one game they're going to hit like 17 threes. Yeah, I think one game of either a lot of threes or like pure, pure Luka magic will carry the maps to one game, but uh, Phoenix in five. I hate to say it. It's no fun when we all agree, man. It's... <laughs> Jeez. Uh, do you guys want to talk about uh, the Boston-Milwaukee series? Obviously, this is going to come out after Game 2, so who knows what happened there. But <clears throat> after Game 1, Milwaukee looks pretty dominant, man. Milwaukee looks like they could be walking straight back to the finals, even without Chris Middleton. I'm going to jump onto this series. I, I really thought the Celtics were going to take this in, 
in four to five games. Obviously, if they do win the series, um, they would have to kind of win the next four to keep my prediction right. Uh, but Jalen River, I don't want to go Jalen River. Jalen Brown and <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking of Doc Rivers too much. Um, oh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum didn't have a a good game, and obviously Giannis played exceptionally well. I I do think that the length of Milwaukee um, is really going to affect their ability to get to the rim, but I, I still like their depth. Um, I still like the fact that they have at least two or three scores that can give you 20, 25 points a game. And um, I think Milwaukee is really going to rely on a lot of three-point shooting. And in the first half, when they were able to build that lead, they were still shooting, I think, close to 50, 55% from three. They did cool down in the second half, but um, I, I really do think Boston will be able to figure out what was happening in that game. I think both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have to have better games, but uh, it's completely uh, in their ability to do that. And Milwaukee really needs Middleton back for their longevity, even if they make it past this round to beat Miami, to to go to the NBA Finals. Because Giannis can carry this team for two, three, four games, but if you're trying to win another 12, it, it, it's going to take its toll on him. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that I saw with Boston in that game is once they saw that the same types of actions weren't working against Milwaukee in the first quarter, both Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Tatum were really rushing their offense. Like when they got the ball over the half-court line, Mm -hmm. they were just trying to immediately get past their man instead of trying to run the offense. And they basically turned back into what they were doing early in the season, which is like a lot of one-on-one play, not really moving the ball. And Milwaukee, I think, wants to force them into changing what they do. I, I don't know if it's, you know, alarm time for Boston to where they have to change their lineup and not play the two big guys together. But I think ultimately that's what Milwaukee wants, so that way Giannis can just run wild on them. And, you know, even though Giannis went 9 for 25 that game, he was pretty dominant in every aspect of the game. Yep. And uh, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing for Boston, just like, you know, playing quick, but not to the level that they were trying to in the second quarter, especially when they were turning the ball over like crazy, especially Jalen Brown. Like, he was, he looked like a guy that just, you know, learned how to play basketball in that quarter. Like he looked like a first-year, second-year type of player that just didn't know how to play within the, you know, the course of an offense, and uh, it cost them big time. Seven turnovers for Jalen Brown that game alone. Seven. That's a lot, man. That's bad, like especially more. for a non-point guard. <laughs> uh, that was yeah, that was rough. And the I'm, other problem is Marcus Smart may not play tonight. Like he had yes. two pretty major injuries last that uh, last game, was able to play through it. Um, but if he doesn't play, they're screwed. We don't have uh, an update on him yet, right? It's about four thirty right now. He's I mean, it's Marcus as... Smart. He's probably gonna play, but how effective he, he's he... gonna be, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's going to play. Like, he's he's going to be suited up. Like, whether he plays 15, 20 minutes, that is another question. But he'll play. He's uh, listed as questionable right now. Not great. Not great. Ooh, man, that series did not go exactly how I expected it to. Mainly because uh, Milwaukee, much better than Brooklyn. Who knew? <laughs> wow. This team that just won the finals last year, better than uh, a team of a bunch of randoms that just got together. Who would have thought? 
At the same time, though, after it's going to be, I mean, most likely going to be one one after tonight, you would think. So yeah, once that happens, so. I think a lot of people's opinions is going to change after you know the end of tonight's game. Are you guys still sticking with your uh, Celtics predictions here? Celtics in five. Wow. See before <laughs> before the playoffs, you know, with Middleton, I predicted that Milwaukee would have won this series because I had Milwaukee and Phoenix in the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the injury, I predicted Boston was going to win this in six or seven. Um, so, I don't know. Giannis is so damn good. It's hard to bet against him. You're going to head to a seven. <laughs> yeah, in Boston, too. I'll go with... Uh, give me a Milwaukee in six. Wow. Uh, Complete change around. Yep. Uh, I'm going to stick with my season six because I'm stubborn. But it really... like If, if Marcus Smart is out of the series, then... Oh man, it's not looking good. I could. Uh, Bucks in five. Bucks, Bucks in five. four, maybe. Yeah, if Marcus Smart doesn't play, a sweep, hard sweep. Oh, wow, wow. Th- that's a full one eighty. You know why? Who's gonna handle the rock for Boston after that? Derek White. Derek White and Peyton Pritchard. Come on, man. <laughs> Keep him. Gonna be a lot more Jason Tatum. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, hit the other series also tonight. Warriors-Grizzlies. Warriors up 1-0 on a... Uh, this might have been the most entertaining game one out of the four series. And uh, holy crap is all I can really say. That last like two to three minutes of the game alone was worth it, was worth it if you were a fan just watching it. Great Sunday afternoon games, man. Klay Thompson uh, nails a giant three, then misses two free throws, which is very unclay-like. And then... I don't know if he, like, stopped John Morant from getting that last uh, layup, but definitely affected it. Definitely affected it. Raj, do you uh, do you think your Grizzlies have any way of getting out of this? Unfortunately, I don't think so. I think that game one was big for them to end up winning the series. Uh, I, I still think they're going to be competitive in the, in, in the series. I do think there's just both uh, a level of experience and a bit of a talent um, discrepancy um, between the two teams. I, I do think Brandon Clark's going to still have a great series. I think Jaron Jackson can really grow. Um, but ultimately, I think the fact that the Grizzlies only have really Bane as a consistent three-point shooter um, is going to hurt them. And the Warriors have three great three-point shooters, uh, and then they have contributions from two or three other wings. One night you can ask for Wiggins for 15, maybe Otto Porter. Another night can drop 12, 13, and um, that contribution is going to be big. And uh, uh, It would have been nice if the Grizzlies won game one. Then I could have seen the series going six or seven, but I think Warriors will win in five. Damn. So before the playoffs started, I predicted Memphis is going to win this series. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it. I think that they did a lot of things that is sustainable and uh you know even though they lost that heartbreaker i think they're gonna win tonight and i think it's a good matchup for them honestly like i the heart believes that grizzlies are gonna win <laughs> the brain believes that golden state is gonna win at this point but honestly like without draymond in the game golden state's offense looked better which is Ooh. sort of a surprise Ooh, hot take Wow. It seemed like Memphis was really prepared for all the Draymond's, you know, dribble handoffs and backdoor plays. And they defended that pretty well in the first half. And then the second half, it was mostly just like the guards getting the ball, pick and roll, simple stuff, you know? It wasn't the same Golden State offense that they normally run. 
Um, but there are some adjustments that Memphis can make uh, going into tonight, and hopefully Desmond Bain is all right and is able to play in tonight's game because he's questionable right now. Oof. Um, but With what? I think he has like a back injury. Oh huh. wow! Interesting. Yeah, so I could see I could see that given all that muscle. The number one adjustment they need to make is stop having Dylan Brooks take mid-range shots. If they just eliminate <laughs> that entirely, they got a shot. Yo, Dylan Brooks should do nothing except open layups. <laughs> Dylan Brooks should turn into Tony Allen, man. Yeah. He's the weak spot. I, I said it at the trade deadline. Like, he needs to get traded for somebody who doesn't think they're as good as he thinks that he is. <laughs> it's tough, though, because he's like the... Uh, the I don't want to say he's the heart, but like, he's the... He's the glue guy on this team, right? Like, he's one of those guys that everyone in the locker room just seems to love. You can't trade that kind of player. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, at the deadline, I said he either needs to take a bench role, be the sixth man coming in, still play 30-plus minutes a night, be like the guy who just bodies everyone on the perimeter. But he just doesn't get that he's not good on offense, and he's not the number two option. Like, just let it go, man. And I don't mean the ball. (laughs) Yeah. Just um, let it go. Josh, I mean, in I his was... defense, though, he did do pretty well against Steph. He does body Steph very well. Yeah, in the second He's half, handy. he got he got free a lot of time, though. I mean, like, Steph missed some, like, really wide-open shots in the last two minutes of the game. And honestly, the biggest thing in that game was Golden State out-Grizzlied the Grizzlies. They beat mm-hmm. them at their own game. They out, like, out-offensive rebound them, especially in the, uh, the fourth quarter, playing a really small lineup, which uh, spaced out the Grizzlies and then... Guys like Peyton and uh, Andrew Wiggins are coming out from nowhere, tapping the ball away and getting extra possessions. It's because Jaron Jackson thinks he's a perimeter player all the time. <laughs> oh, he was nice machine. last game, though. He was good last yeah. game, though. Yeah, but the problem yeah, is he he needs to stay out of foul trouble. Obviously, last series, he was like out of the game three or four of their uh, six games just because of foul trouble. Uh, but yeah, he's nice. I, I, I do have a question for you, Josh. So when I, I I still can't get over the fact that you said the Raptors beating this, potentially beating the 76ers was that heart or head telling you that you mean in terms of being better than the championship yeah like I just want to know mm. probably heart okay don't ever trust your heart again okay <laughs> <laughs> so Golden State's gonna win this series oh that was pretty good. I think in the moment, though, if you compare winning the championship with Kawhi throwing the ball up in the air versus the Raptors beating Philadelphia on their home court, coming back from 3-0, that, I think it's close. I think it's close. You got to think, not Kawhi throwing it in the air, you got to think of Freddie, like toothless Freddie screaming into the camera. That's the image that should be in your head. That or, uh, you know, whatever, beating Philly in in their own stadium. Yeah, I don't know, Josh man. Come back confused. from 3-0 against Harden. That would have been so sweet. Yo, against Prime Harden, sure. Not washed up Harden. I don't even care. Yeah, Just having, on, that his, having that on his resume would have been fantastic. Washed up Harden and Doc still blaming teams from like 25 years ago, okay? <laughs> come on. You know, I'm almost on the bandwagon of like... I think Doc Rivers is doing this just so he can go to another job. I think he just likes moving jobs every two years. <laughs> I think he wants to go back to L.A. I imagine, River, imagine Doc Rivers with the Lakers next year. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, maybe he can bring in DeAndre, too, to play center for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby, that's good. Um, I'm still liking Memphis in seven, also. Just oh, wow. 
All right. Stubborn, man. I'm a stubborn guy with my picks, but realistically, it's going to be the Warriors. But stubbornness. Yep. Also, because there's two Canadians on Memphis, man. <laughs> Brendan Clark, the best Canadian player in the league, other than Jamal Murray. Shay Gilgis Alexander. Hmm. Whoa. Yeah, hmm. I guess so. Um, <laughs> Not even a hot take there, eh? Just, just quickly on the matchups in this series, they sort of need to do what Dallas needs to do and just not play Xavier Tillman at all. Don't play Steven Adams at all. And play Brandon Clark like 36 minutes a game. Just cut yeah. out the fat. Play seven guys. Play Kyle Anderson if you yeah. want to start. And then play uh, Melton more because he played well in game one. Well, Steven Adams is out with uh, health and safety, isn't he? He is, but when he comes back, you would expect him to play. probably start. But Tillman played Draymond's starting minutes. now, so what, what are they doing? Tillman played 13 minutes, man. It's negligible. Too much. Nah. Nah, man. Clark played 31. You increase him to 35, 36, give Tillman about seven, like six, seven minutes, and you're good. Tillman was a minus 10 last game. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> what's your point? Brandon Clark was a plus six. DeAnthony Melton was yeah. a plus 14. Just play your better players. It's the playoffs, man. Play these guys 40 minutes a game. Playoffs? Okay. Uh, do you have any stats corner, or are we calling it here, Josh? Yeah, we can call it here. <laughs> okay. He's saying stats corner. What? Here it is. Ready? Doc yeah. Rivers playing DeAndre Jordan is not a good move. <laughs> Only a move to get him to L.A. That's my stats corner. <laughs> oh, baby. Yeah, the Doc Rivers DeAndre Jordan love fast is too much. Did you see what he said after the game? What? <laughs> He said that we played DeAndre Jordan because our guys like ride with him or whatever. It's like, do, do you even watch the game? Who cares if they like DeAndre Jordan? What are we doing here? Our guys ride with this guy who came in like two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, man. Ooh, baby, man. I love Doc. Doc is great for the media. He's great for the content game. Like, honestly, if you guys were bringing down the podcast, I, I ride with you guys and everything, but I would tell you straight up and then we would bench your ass. <laughs> I expect the same from you to me, too. Yeah, you're going to be running the bench if you keep uh, talking about the Raptors. <laughs> Hypothetical wins is better than the championship run. God damn. I, I think if you pulled Raptors fans, I think it would be close. Oh, oh but no way. You, oh, you're out of touch with reality, man. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, like, Yo, go, I don't, go tweet at Raptors Republic. Yeah, I know. Yeah, please, go get Raptors please Republic put to that run up. Yeah. All right, guys, I want to call it here. I want to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, all the major podcast platforms. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Pod. And until next time, peace.